my meta niche is polymathy, which means a lot of my content is being about multidisciplinary and doing a lot of different things. Yeah. I have to think differently. My mindset has to be different than like, am I growing or not? Because I'm going to grow from my sub niches. Mm. My first one being self-education. My second one being around swimming. My third one being around content repurposing. I just started that repurposing newsletter this past year and started doing reviews of different tools and talking about content repurposing and that kind of strategy and plans. And each one of those has helped me grow because people followed me for that particular topic. Podcast Junkies, episode 323. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran. If you are new to this show, this is your first time listening. I'm not always sounding like I'm recording in a nook in the corner of my house, which is what I'm doing this week. I'm usually in my studio with my nice mic and my nice environment, but this has been a pretty challenging week in terms of having visitors over and having to deal with a update to the internet where we're at right now. So that combo is the reason why I'm recording here. And rather than trying to wait for the perfect environment, I think because I always feel because this is a show about podcasting where I share the ins and outs of what's happening as a normal podcaster, not someone who's recording in a city studio, then there's stuff that happens. And it's stuff that I think you can relate to as well if you've ever been on this side of the mic. So if you hear a child screaming (laughs) or a little girl singing, then those are folks that are staying with us, visiting from out of town, and uh, they've been with us for a week and a half. So it's been fun having this energy here in the house. It's been a lot of fun. We've been having some good times together. And uh, there's no perfect environment and no perfect time. So as they say, the show must go on. So I'm grateful to you for your patience. If you are a regular listener, thank you so much for returning week in and week out, whether it's the past couple that you just found or you've been finding us over the years or you've been with us from day one. Any combination of those is more than welcome here. And I really thank you for your time. If you missed last week's episode, it was a doozy. It was with Ben Albert, and we had a fantastic conversation about podcasting, obviously, our similar backgrounds, and how we had to both overcome bullying when we were young, which is something I don't think I've ever talked about. And so it was interesting when a guest triggers an experience or a memory for me, and I thought it was appropriate to share, and I'm glad I did, and uh, just deepened our conversation. We talked about pursuing our passions, creating a successful business podcast, which Ben has done, the importance of sharing our journey and the impact of childhood experiences on success. We get into the power of vulnerability and mentorship and several personal stories, which I'm pretty sure you can relate to. And again, I appreciate Ben for sharing his time with us last week. He did a fantastic job of sharing it as well. And that was so impactful for me. I wrote about it in my newsletter, my weekly newsletter, uh, A Life Worth Living, which you can subscribe to at harrydoran.com. This week, we have returned guest It's Dustin Miller. We talk about all things content planning, podcasting, polymaths, even swimming. (laughs) As someone who's actually been able to teach people online how to be a better swimmer. And I thought it was a a great way to really delve into the mind of Dustin and really see how he thinks about these challenges. So not only do we pick his brain on that, we talk a little bit about the magic of automation, what's happening with AI. And probably what you'll notice is that I have the longest list of resources I think that I've ever had for a guest. I just kept jotting them down, open up tabs. I think I had like 10 tabs open by the time our conversation was done. So never a dull moment with Dustin. He's such a unique and interesting individual. And I'm always looking forward to our conversations. I'm sure he'll be making many return 
engagements with this show. As a reminder, if you're enjoying this episode or past episodes, I'd love it if you leave a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Nothing would please me more than to read those out on a future episode. Okay, stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. If you don't know what that is, it's something that I started years ago. And to be quite honest, not a lot of people take me up on it, but it's a fun way to track if you are listening all the way to the end. So it's a hashtag that I mentioned, but I only mention it at the end of the episode. So your proof to me or your sign to me that we're in the same cool kids club is you sharing that on social somewhere and tagging myself at podcast uh, underscore junkies on Twitter and podcast junkies on Instagram and threads. Okay. Enough of me. Before we get into this uninterrupted conversation with Dustin, here are a few words from the amazing folks who support this show. With our done-for-you agency, Fullcast, we take immense pride in working with remarkable individuals and organizations to produce exceptional shows. And I'm thrilled once again to be partnering with my good friend Tom Zeeb on the relaunch of his show, The Art and Science of Real Estate Negotiation. If you've ever had any experience with real estate negotiation, you know it can be a challenging realm, often feeling like an enigma shrouded in uncertainty. But fear not, with this entertaining and educational show, Tom aims to demystify the art of negotiation and uncover the powerful science behind it. With a wealth of experience as a best-selling author, speaker, real estate entrepreneur, and adventurer, he brings a unique perspective to the table. As president of Traction Real Estate Investors Association and founder of Traction Real Estate Mentors, his insights are invaluable to anyone seeking success in the world of real estate. Join him every week as he sits down with successful real estate investors, partners, and students to unlock the secrets of their triumphs. Their stories will inspire and empower you to elevate your real estate business to unprecedented heights. To learn more and subscribe to the podcast, head on over to tomzeeb.com. This is round two, yeah. so it's more casual, so it's more free-flowing. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you do a round two like that. I actually call mine the round two podcast. I was actually, it's going to be something like, kind of like fights. Round two, ding, oh, ding, yeah, boom, yeah. like fight. And so like, instead of having a long form interview, I would just do like a 30 minute, like, hey, let's catch up. What's new yeah, with yeah, you? Yeah. That kind of thing. But, yeah. I think what's been alive for me recently is just going with the flow and just <laughs> where I'm at. And like a lot of, you know, we connect, we're engaging on Twitter. And for me, it's been interesting to kind of see, that's been like top of mind. Like if I'm feeling something or I read something or I got to, you know, I go through quotes of books I've read and, and highlighted before. I'm like, mm. oh, that, that's alive for me. So I just post it. And so it could probably do a better job of being more consistent with a, an actual <laughs> like plan for content and growing the following. And I, it's on my list. We can talk about yeah, that. Yeah. And so I love doing that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think I just, you know, I, I think I saw you chat and I'm like, oh, I really enjoyed our conversation last time. It was pretty high vibe. And I'm just curious mm -hmm. about what's happening in your world, what you've been liking about your recent conversations. It sounds like you're speaking to a lot of interesting folks. And so I just kind of yeah. want to have the space to see what comes up as just, you know, what you feel like talking about. Well, I'm pretty open. I couldn't actually even recall if today was a recording <laughs> or just us chatting. And I was down for both. I was like, let's do it either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the kind of mindset that was perfect for this kind of situation. Yeah. When it comes to the podcast, the Polygraph Polycast is my show. I don't remember how long, was it the one or two years ago that we did our Probably, initial meeting? Yeah, yeah. yeah. at least. Because over 2020, there was just so much opportunity. It's, everybody was stuck at home. <laughs> and that's when I started doing it. I always wanted to do interviews. I always loved that idea. Yeah. I saw Lewis Howes or Gator V and I was like, I want to do that. And I modeled, I saw the way they did it, the way they had that presentation, mm -hmm. the way they structured the show. Yeah how they researched their guests even because Lewis House had a whole podcast or blog post on that. And it's very interesting about how I knew what I wanted to do. How do I do it? Well, matchmaker.fm came out, which is that yeah. podcast host and guest tool matching platform. 
I was one of the first like 30 people on there. I just grew with it and I started doing, now I have like 104, 105 guests on my show. Nice. Yeah. It's great. How have you grown? Like what's changed about you? Like, you know, obviously you probably had a formula you were following when you're doing those first interviews, but how has that evolved over time? I mean, even after the third or fifth episode, I had to tweak the process quite a bit. And it wasn't because I did anything particularly wrong. I actually think I started out pretty well. I was very well prepared. I was overly prepared, honestly. Mm -hmm. I probably should have started sooner, mm. but I tweaked it. I got better. Active listening was like the main skill that I had to learn. Mm. And I think that helped me in other areas too. I was able to apply it to clients in real life, like personal training. Yeah. I was able to apply it to maybe a cute girl at the bar, like active listening yeah, yeah. helps out a lot. <laughs> and so that's definitely something I evolved with. But then on top of that too, just technology wise, my hard drives now are filled up with like 400 gigs <laughs> of just video files and audio files. So understanding information architecture even more than I did already and that kind of thing. Organizing content, making plans. Like I get it. Yeah. So we talked about content planning. So do you have like a specific plan for how you get <laughs> all this out on a consistent basis? Because it's so much because I get some, you know, the beauty of these tools yeah. like Squadcast is you get this video and then you're like, okay, now we should be on YouTube and now we got to do it like a TikTok mm -hmm. clip and a vertical promo. And then there's all the socials <gasps> and what to do on where and what to write on where. So it gets to be a little bit overwhelming and I'm sure the listener is in that same space as well if they're a podcaster. Definitely. And I'm trying to see if I can find, I have an actual mind map of mm, my plan. Okay. I think it's important because not every approach works for everyone. A lot of people, yeah. and all the tools seem to want to do this for you. Notion wants to do this for you. I'm sure people are in Asana, Trello. There's always this opportunity to keep jumping from tool to tool to tool. And then you never actually get anything mm -hmm. done because you're learning how to use the tool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is too, I actually left Notion. I tried so many different content tools because I could not find one, not content tools, task management tools, but I went through a whole bunch of tasks and project management tools, like basically all of them, ClickUp, Monday, Asana, yeah, anyone I could find, even Jira and Confluence and all these like fancy enterprise ones. Yeah. I tried all of them because I was trying to find one that allowed me to have multiple layers of abstraction. Yeah. So I wanted to create this second brain, this life operating system. And so I went into Notion, didn't like it, finally went back to it, tried it again. And I realized the power that it was like Lego blocks I could build into a new system. Mm. I just moved to Obsidian, so that's a whole other topic mm. as to why I moved and the importance of that. But in Notion, I was able to create that input and output system. And it helps you keep track of all the stuff you're creating, depending on whether you're making blogs, videos, or podcasts, it doesn't matter. But if you start doing more than just one of those, yeah. even just one pillar piece, yeah. I think you should make a database and organize it all. How do you measure whether any of the stuff that you're doing is working? Like, how do you measure success? How do you know that all the effort you're putting into whatever it is on socials, all these tools that you're learning? Because I have like shiny objects under some time and I'm trying to rein everything in and I'm trying to work mm -hmm. and work on things that are specifically moving the show. And I've got a second show now, the Vertical Farming Podcast, and I can see movement there because it's super niche and it's taken off and it's mm -hmm. like ranked number one. And in like different countries and stuff. So I've seen that, but you know, what do you do to ensure that you're spending the right time on the right things? So my meta niche is polymathy, which means a lot of my content is being about multidisciplinary and doing a lot of different things. Yeah. I have to think differently. My mindset has to be different than like, am I growing or not kind of thing? Because I'm going to grow from my sub niches. Mm. My first one being self-education. My second one being around swimming. 
My third one being around content repurposing. I just started that repurposing newsletter this past year and started doing reviews of different tools and talking about content repurposing and that kind of strategy and plans. And each one of those has helped me grow because people follow me for that particular topic. Some people follow me from the umbrella topic, but for the most part, it's the sub ones. So I usually focus more so on getting those to grow and seeing how, okay, am I getting more subscribers on those newsletters? Mm. Are people checking out my tools website that I built or stuff like that? I don't necessarily look at the bigger picture, like Poly Innovator, is that growing? Because I know it's going to grow slow. I'm okay with that. Do you think about long-term goals, you know, being a, a poly, you consider yourself a polymath. Is that safe to say? I would say so. It's one of those things that people consider to kind of egotistical, so I try not to say it, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I have multiple expertise that yeah. I can say. And so confidently. when you, as with your polymath hat on, how do you think about long-term planning? Like we're having this conversation 12 months from now. What would need to happen with your progress for you to be happy with where you're at? For one, being consistent more so, because I've been pretty dang consistent with most of my series. I have many series. I do have that issue with that signing object when I'm like, oh, I want to make a new series yeah. kind of thing. And I've been lucky enough to where I've been pretty consistent pretty much every week for the past 60 weeks. I've been making swimming posts. I have one right after this I'm going to make. I have around 25 or 30 content repurposing posts that I've been making every week. Every month, I do a now page update, which is like an update of my life on the first. Mm. Maybe I'm a few days late, but I always do it. And so I'm consistent with all my series. Even if I'm a little bit late, I'm consistent. When it comes to if I feel like progress, I have a swimming book coming out. Hopefully, that's ideal. It was supposed to come out last month, ideally. But if that comes out within the next few months, and so a year from now, we talk again, that's something (laughs) that as a marketer, I'll be like, okay, cool. I feel confident that I made progress. So it's interesting because you have these like individual projects. So talk to me about the swimming thing. Is is it something that you wanted to become a, a better swimmer and then you're just documenting the process? No, I'm a swim instructor. I've taught for the past decade. Okay. And so yeah, what, no, that's awesome. what's the purpose? Of, like what's the goal with the content that you're, you're providing? So a lot of the issues that people face is not knowing what to do, how to do it, or why to do okay. it. And so everybody comes in like client-wise. I taught one right before this, actually, a friend of mine who needed to learn to swim. He's an adult, right? He knows what swimming is. And so what I needed to do is just teach him how to do it. And, right? and you did Sometime. this remotely? No, I could technically. <laughs> I do have digital swim lessons, but I did it in my apartment pool. Okay, cool. But I actually thought about doing remotely. If you can have like a waterproof phone, you could probably do it too. <laughs> I, so I actually have digital swim lessons as one of my product offerings. That's funny. So it's kind of funny you mentioned yeah. that. But the content has to do with certain ideas. So I'm basically documenting little strategies or little things that I do, little topics Throughout the time you learn to swim, you might need to know how to do a certain stroke or how to breathe a certain way yeah. or how to sink. And so each post is talking about each one of those things and they all help just keep kind of helping people level up mentally. Mm. So that way, when they actually get into the pool, they kind of know mentally what to do mm. and they just have to physically practice and they can either use me as digitally to help them yeah. or if they're local, I can help them in person. Yeah. And then it all kind of leads up to that book release too. So all the micro content, free micro content, not micro, it's, it's normal pillar, but like that free content over time building up to the big piece mm-hmm. that's paid. Do you think that the micro content is in a format where you can essentially cobble it all together and it creates 80% of the work is already done for the book? Or is it the type of thing where there's some structure that needs to be applied to the micro content so you can put it in a book format? Well, and I messed up on saying micro content there because micro content would be like a quote image yeah. on Instagram of the blog post. 
Because technically that would be pillar content because yeah. it's a blog post, but I digress. Semantics, <laughs> you know. I do want to include the blog post in the book. I think that'd be really helpful, but I'm actually writing it manually. Yeah. I have a different format I want to do for it. I'm debating whether or not I just want to insert the blog post mm -hmm. and just have it as a secondary kind of feature of the book. Yeah. Like, hey, you can read all the blog posts all at once kind of thing. But So did you always have a book in mind for the swimming part? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's actually how I got started. I actually started the newsletter because of the book. So that's the content repurposing newsletter? Or, does it, or the newsletter the about, about the swimming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although I probably would write a book of content repurposing too. <laughs> The interesting thing about swimming is I think there's an aspect of fear that's associated with it, especially because mm -hmm. I've noticed it when I'm swimming and people are out in the deep water. Like I was just in in Oregon and over by Seattle for a, a men's gathering and there's guys out swimming in the sound and they go in the deep mm -hmm. and they, they tread water. And so they're hanging out and treading water. And that's the part where I'm just like, I feel like out of my element. And it's interesting. Like, mm -hmm. And then I don't know how much of that is just acquired learning or just repetitive practicing but this ability to kind of just sit out there because you always feel like <laughs> when you're in deep water there's something that kicks in instinctually like you feel like you better know what you're doing or you're going to be in trouble pretty yeah. soon well i find that a lot of the time i sink like a rock so it's hard for me to tread for very long yeah. and so there is that fear like hey i can't do this for very long endurance is a big deal part of that as well when it comes to fear it usually comes down to breathing people yeah. don't know how to hold their breath or know how to breathe while swimming yeah. Ironically, when I first teach a lot of swimming strokes, I tell them, I'm not going to teach you how to breathe yet. I'm going to teach you how to move. Swimming's not mm. about breathing. Swimming's about moving. Yeah. And you can't breathe while swimming until you know how to move well enough to stay momentum. Yeah. Stay in momentum. And I also discovered this when we were to Mexico with a friend's birthday and we did some snorkeling and mm. trying to do the snorkel while you're out in the water and then having water get in. And then I felt like a slight panic set and I was like, I felt very uncomfortable <laughs> and my girlfriend had done a lot more than me. So she was okay with it. And at some point I just like, I had to swim back to the boat because I was just like, <laughs> I'm trying to do too many things at once. And then like when mm -hmm. you, you lose like your bearings, especially if you start like sucking in water too. That's exactly it. It's a downward spiral. So I created a three-step system, the three steps to swimming where one is kicking legs straight, two face down and three arms out of the water, diving back in. Mm. And that one, two, three process, legs, face, arms, I try to treat it as a mnemonic to get you to think about very simply, what do I need to do to swim? And that way, in the moment, you could focus on that. And if you notice there, there's nothing, I don't say anything about breathing, mm -hmm, right? Breathing mm -hmm. comes after that. If you mess up on any one of those three things, you won't be able to breathe properly. Ironically, if you try to focus on three things at once, you're not going to do it right. You have, to, you have to go sequential, one, two, three, yeah. maybe even in your head, kind of go back through the cycle over and over and over again until kicking becomes more second nature. The face down is pretty simple. A lot of the time people do it second nature. Sometimes people keep their neck up too much, but that's yeah, situational. <laughs> the arms are where people mess up a lot on and then they, get tired. they focus on the arms. Yeah, they get tired or they slap the water, yeah. that kind of thing. So they focus on the arms but then they lose the legs. They focus on the legs, they lose the arms. That focus is hard. So it's legs straight with the flippers, flip them, and then your arms are up and hands down in the water? No, there's no flippers. Okay. I don't, flippers are just For a tool. I'm thinking about uh, snorkeling, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're thinking about yeah. Very good. And flippers will kind of make you bend a little bit more, okay. but you want to kick your legs straight, okay. like full on kicking, scissors kicking, yeah. and then your face is down. And then with the swimming, with the arms, out of the water, diving okay. back in okay in and out in and okay. out like a windmill yeah yeah very cool why do you like teaching why do you keep doing it 
I was even telling somebody too that I probably will keep seeking swimming until I'm like 90 years old. <laughs> it's one of those things where it comes naturally to me. I've always liked teaching. I've always liked sharing ideas. That's why I like going on podcasts because if you prompt me right, like, I tell you what, I'll just go like a stock reel. <laughs> I'm sure you're probably picking that up already. Yeah, of course. That's why I like doing it. I like sharing knowledge. I like sharing information. And by me doing the newsletter, yeah. I can help people do that and teach more people. Do you have a vision for where you want this to go? Do you just keep writing books, just diving deep on topics, sharing those topics? Those eventually become bigger things. Do you want to do public speaking mm -hmm. or what do you, and do you it, also yeah. measure things at that big 10 year level as well? So I created Poly Innovator because of a previous endeavor I did. I created what I called the United Living Construct, mm -hmm. which was meant to be a hub of innovation, an incubator, if you will, or maybe even a smart city down the line mm -hmm. too. I was really, I was thinking big, mm -hmm. right? And I don't talk too much about it nowadays, but with you, I don't mind going into it. It was an organization I was trying to create and I realized that I wasn't good enough to make it yet. Mm -hmm. I was young. I didn't have the skills needed for it, the public speaking skills, all that jazz. And so what I decided to do was like, okay, I'm going to focus on myself. I want to learn smart cities. I want to learn innovation. I've created my own degree. I need to document that process so people can believe that I actually learned it. So I'm going to do content. Thanks, Gary V. <laughs> and that's what got me into Poly Innovators, beginning pieces. Yeah. I realized quickly that the do-it-yourself modular degree that I created was more than just what I could do. Like, it wasn't just my degree. It was something that people could copy and do themselves. So I created that platform, that template people can copy. I actually made a Notion template for people to actually make their own do-it-yourself degree. And... That was the first phase. Eventually, I realized I have all this swimming knowledge. I was really mad that I didn't do like, you know, digital coaching or personal training during COVID because yeah. I spent all my time doing interviews. I think that opportunity cost was great. I'm happy I did it. But that was something like, I need to do more swimming. I need to do more exercise. This is what I've been doing for the last 10 years in real life. Yeah. I need to make a digital content too. But then I noticed all these really awesome content repurposing tools coming out. And I realized no one was talking about them, right? Like the only people that were talking about content repurposing were Gary Vee and all the founders of these tools. <laughs> yeah. That was it. And so people were biased and Gary Vee has a team. So I was like, okay, do you know the YouTube channel Keep Productive? No. Okay. It's a channel where they talk about all these tools like Notion or Asana. Is it, it keepproductive.com? Yeah. So basically, Keep Productive is the YouTube channel. Tool Finder is the tool they built to help you find those tools. Okay. I actually built something like that for content repurposing in general too, but that's a side tangent. I wanted to model myself after that channel because the way that they did it was very agnostic. They just loved the, these tools and loved sharing these tools. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that, but for content repurposing. And so I wanted to highlight all these new tools. I found one just the other day, clap.app, where okay. it's like K-L-A-P-E.A-P-P. And I just, I haven't used it. I have no opinion on it, but I just randomly found it yesterday. <laughs> and I find all these tools. I wanted to highlight them. The challenge with this, and I can definitely relate because it's definitely like so cool to see all this stuff. And it's even just now with the podcast reformatting, because since we chatted like AI, we can probably oh, yeah. go down a chat GPT rabbit hole pretty quickly. Just <laughs> 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 just rubbing his hands together. That's awesome. But it is, I think it's this overwhelm. And I've tried to switch to what Monet coaches call just in time learning versus just in case learning. And it's just like, well, I could learn this, I could learn this. But if, if I don't have a specific use case for the tool, mm -hmm. even with all the podcasting tools, they just there's like 10 coming out every day. It's been crazy. And they all seem to do the same thing. And they all use some sort of like AI. And they all say they're like, make your life easier. But you do need a human to review some of these. And you also almost need 
someone to like go through all these podcasting tools and say, okay, I ran a test of all of these. These are the mm -hmm. ones that actually like will let you dump in your MP3 or your YouTube file and give you like not cheesy looking clips. Cause a lot of times yeah. they give you stuff that's just like, oh, they just like ran an algorithm through like mid journey and it just looked corny. It looks bad. You know, it's not, it doesn't look like a human yeah. was like reviewing it. So how do you think about the best use of your time with these tools? Is it just enough for you to mm -hmm. show people that they're there? Or do you actually, for your own use case, like figure out, like, what's the process to figure out which one of these are a waste of time and which one of these mm -hmm. are, are real time savers? I would say both, actually, to your question. But it's one of those things, too, where when it comes to these tools, some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. I've had a lot of them break on me, for yeah. example. Even some of the best ones have broken on me, mm -hmm. but I'm also a power user. I like yeah. to do things to an extreme amount. I had repurpose.io break on me, but it was also because I did like 40 videos in a month. It wasn't necessarily repurpose's fault. And so, and Dr. I love Hany. He's a friend of mine. Yes, yeah, yeah. I love Hani. Yeah. Hani and Roy Garcia, who is like his content person now. Yeah. Both of them are really amazing. And I like, even though I use repurpose.io from time to time, I don't use it consistently. Same with chopcast.io. I love them. I have a lifetime deal with them okay. back in the day. Like I bought that as soon as I could. <laughs> And then I also use Recast Studio as well. Okay. One that I want to highlight that I have all these tools, yeah. right? I use them. I played with them. I compare them. I reviewed them on my newsletter. But it's like they have this process of upload it. They use the AI to transcribe it and find the clips. Yeah. While I find that they're pretty good, especially for more simplistic shows, if you're talking about just like simple topics, whether it's business or even podcasting, it's complicated, but it's simple enough to where AI can pick it up, it'll probably be fine to just use their AI features easy peasy. For a show like mine where it's polymathy, laser physics, quantum physics, you know, I've talked to people about omni mathematics and it's just like omni just random topics. That's a mouthful. We're going to put yeah. a pin in that. I want to figure out what that is, but finish yeah. your thought. Well, the thing is like all these complex topics that these AIs just cannot keep up with, they mess up my name, Poly Innovator, every time. Yeah. Even polymath, they say polymeth. And I was like, no, 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 not that. That's something else. Yeah. And so I had to constantly go into transcription to fix it, which if the transcriptions are not right, the AI is not going to be right on that. Yeah. I have very good confidence in Recast or Chopcast, but one tool I found recently that I actually have been using to repurpose my show, and this is the first time I really kind of spoke about it publicly, is Opus.pro. Opus.pro. You're sending me down and, these rabbit holes. I'm not sure. Oh, <laughs> oh trust oh, me. It came up in my history, so I've probably seen it already. Oh, I think yes. I sent it to you. I think Ariel had sent this to me, Ariel Mies and Black. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes. and I think even NKHD or some other big creator, oh, Sean Cannell, who does Think Media, their team uses this. It's yeah. kind of crazy how it's growing. I've had issues with it, though. Like, I have a few videos that I did that just aren't loading, for example. Mm -hmm. But I've also gone through 80 out of 200 videos that I have on my wow. channel through there. Okay. I, I was pretty, yeah, <laughs> crazy. And the reason being is that I know for a fact 100% fact, it's not getting all the clips from my show. And especially since one of my most important clips is my question I ask everybody is like, what is a polymath to you? Yeah. My plan was to take a clip of every guest and then compile it into like a, you know, 25 guests, then do a super compilation. So I can take each clip, make it into a compilation video, then make a super cut. Yeah. But point is, it's not taking up all the clips, but it's getting a decent chunk of them. And it's getting me started because I need to get these clips out there. Yeah. It's been three years since some of these interviews and people are like, yeah. 
So that's the, the point. I think the challenge we're diving deep specifically on this because this is obviously podcast about podcasting. And yeah. I think what's interesting for me is losing that opportunity to share the insights. First mm -hmm. of all, finding the insights. I want to honor the time the guests spend on my show. And I want to do that in a way that tells the best of what they've shared. And in an ideal world, the full video, pull out the two or three clips, get them to vertical, post them on IG Reels, post them on YouTube Shorts, post them on TikTok, you know, wherever people have that done automatically. Also, the other thing that's been cool, and I think this only happens on mobile, you can add someone as a collaborator. Someone's, they've been using this for me on my Vertical Farming Podcast show. And it's a powerful feature because when someone adds you as a collaborator, if you accept, their content shows up in your feed and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it's a great way to like make content more visible and people would love to do it. Like if I created an IG reel and I made you a collaborator and I'll definitely try to make sure I do this for this episode, then you would say, yes, I accept. And now it shows up in your feed. So now mm -hmm. the, it's like amplifies the power of the visibility of it. But I think the challenge is like, number one, feeding it into somewhere where you know you're confident you're going to get quality content. Do you need a QC mm -hmm. process to review what comes out? And then also posting it and scheduling it on these platforms. And I'm wondering how you think about your workflow and if any of these tools like Opus are making that easier for you. So, yeah, that's why I mentioned Opus. It actually made it easy enough for me to where I actually started using it more. It's not ideal. And I'm probably actually, I'm still planning on going through every single episode manually to find mm -hmm. all the clips important, all the important ones. Yeah. So I'm still going to do that. And I still need to transcribe all the interviews. I've only transcribed half of them. And I'm going to have to go through the transcription manually. That's the thing. I was QCing all the different transcription tools, all of them, <laughs> and trying to find which ones would do the most accurate transcription. Most of them were pretty similar. And so what I decided was that, okay, at this point, I just need to get it done. Yeah. I can't get it perfect. I can't find a tool that's going to do it all. Opus is actually doing some kind of feature about scheduling too. So that might be helpful for a lot of people. I don't mm. think I'm going to personally use it because I have a certain strategy in mind where I want to schedule it out a certain way. But for a lot of people, you could just schedule from Opus directly. And they actually have like a rating, like how good that clip is based on ChatGPT's opinion. It also has like, you get like 15 clips. How long are your main series on average? The interviews are about 45 minutes to an hour or so. Okay. Yeah. So they're medium length, I would say. Yeah. And from there, you should be able to get like 15 clips from that. I ran like a small, I'm doing like a solo podcast on the YouTube series. And I ran that through and it gave me like six or seven clips, but it's this, other problem, nice to have problem, like I have to review each one of those clips and I have to see that they've got the words right, that the clips are showing correctly. And it almost becomes another part of the process. And I have to almost think about like, especially if we're doing it for me and then if we're doing it for clients, I'd have to have someone review those clips and edit them and make the tweaks because they tell you which one is the most impactful clip, you know, the, and I think they do it in descending order for like most mm -hmm. impact, 80% impactful or they have some sort yeah. of score there. But I think that's helpful. And I think you have to they charge you by the upload minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So that's... And it's been pretty painful for me because I have a lot of <laughs> upload minutes. <laughs> yeah, so I think I might revisit that, but I think only if I can have someone to be the QC person to review it. Mm -hmm. So just circling back, like you talk about repurposing and you've talked about this newsletter as well. What's working for you? And when you think about the minimum effective dose, right? Like people in an ideal world they'd spend hours and hours repurposing mm -hmm. every, all of their content from all their episodes on all the channels you know and make sure something is going out every day most podcasters don't have that flexibility or don't have that time a lot of them are solo so 
if you're guiding someone on, you know, this idea of minimum effective dose, what's the minimum you can do to have the most effective reach possible? What guidance <laughs> are you currently giving, yeah. knowing what you know now, knowing what you've tested, knowing what you've experienced? Before I answer that directly, I'm going to kind of paraphrase Gary V. You have a lot more time than you think you do. <laughs> and I want to, like, I know that my schedule is pretty clear. Like, I have a lot of stuff that I do. And so I have time to sit there myself. I'm a solo person. It all comes out of pocket. I get it completely. I had to do it by myself, just like all the other solo podcasters out there. But there's probably some time, like, after work, instead of watching a show, you can go work on stuff. And especially since it's getting better and better with a lot of these tools, it makes it faster and faster. I actually use a speed up extension in my browser to speed up videos, and I can use that in Opus. So I'll just press one keyboard key and it speeds up the video to get it done quicker. You're going to have to send me that link as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also watch all my videos fast too. Yeah, but yeah. when it comes to your question, this is a concept I talk about a lot on my blog. It's strategy plus automation or strategy times automation equals success. Okay. Strategy times automation because automation is a very finicky slope. If you use it too much, it looks spammy. It looks gross. I've seen yeah. a lot of people do it bad. Yeah. But here's the deal. A lot of the time, people are not sharing their posts. They're not sharing their videos. And Zapier does it all right, but their pricing plans, it makes it harder for solo creators. You have to go in there and constantly deal with the meta work when your zaps fail. And then Deliverit is another tool out there, but it's really archaic. It hasn't updated hardly at all. It's not good, but it was one of the better ones out there for a while. Same with If This and That. It's not that great. I came across one called New Link that came out, N-U-E Link. And that one has a lot of automations. I'm playing around with that one right now. And I think that's going to help me because the reason being my strategy, my thought process is you want to make each post last as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And this is not just like, I'm not counting the quote images or the video memes or the, you know, audiograms. I'm not counting the repurposing posts. I'm counting just sharing that video or sharing that blog post on LinkedIn or Twitter. Let's say you write the blog post in the morning, you share it in the morning. Okay, well, the next day you share it in the evening. Because on Twitter, for example, some people are in the morning, some people are in the evening. It's a very simple process to do because you are maximizing your reach by getting both sides of your audience. Early bird, night owls, right? I use Hype Fury for that. And it automatically will repost my tweets nine hours later. So it it hits both time zones. And then it removes the retweet later, which is cool as well. Yeah. And that's really good for Twitter, but it's not going to help with Facebook or LinkedIn per se, right? But I haven't looked at Hype Fury in a while. So thank you. I'm going to check that out too. I love tools. (laughs) And it's funny because Twitter is a particular one where you you can't really do too much for the most part. I mean, you can tweet too much. People can get annoyed. I tweet a lot. I'm surprised Harry isn't unfollowing me because of that. (laughs) But the thing is, when it comes to LinkedIn, you definitely want to be careful with it. So day of, day later, opposite time today. A week later, a month later, maybe half of the year later, but at least a year later, the anniversary of that content piece. Can any of that be scheduled or for... Depends. Yeah. I mean, co-schedule and missing letter are two tools that I can do it for blogs, but not so much videos or podcasts. Mm. And new link, this is kind of just like RSS to social posts. Most of these tools can do that when it comes to like, hey, you got an RSS feed, automatically schedule that out, right? They can do it for the original day of, day later. They can't really do it for the extended pieces. Mm. And so I'm still figuring that out. I think new link might be able to do something similar though, which is why I'm excited about it. But again, new tool, I have no opinions on it yet. N-U-E-Link.com. And to anybody listening in, too, (laughs) if you have a problem, I like being a tool guy. If you have something you need a solution for, tweet at me. I'll send you a tool. (laughs) So as you think about the stuff that you're repurposing, is there a way to measure success? Do you just have 
Because with podcasting, inevitably the number is really downloads. So mm -hmm. all this repurposing is helpful. You can see engagement, your Twitter following grows, your LinkedIn following grows. But if you're a podcaster, your true metric is my show growing or are more people hearing about it? How do you think mm -hmm. about that metric specifically when it comes to your podcast? I think the idea of conversions and keeping track of analytics are very important, but it's also one of those things where when you're first starting out, it's really hard to balance creation, repurposing, analytics, having all those different skills. Analytics is still one of my weaker skills. I'll be honest about that, right? I still track it. I still keep up with it every week, every month or something like that. Yeah. But I don't necessarily base a lot of my actions on it. But mm. I also have a plan. I have content that I know I want to get out. And I know that it's going to be unique enough to where it's going to get some eyeballs at some point. Most of the stuff I make is evergreen for the most part. Yeah. So I'm kind of cheating in that regard because like, I don't have to worry about instant gratification, if you will. Yeah. So how do you measure success when it comes to your show? How do you know or... Are you happy with the progress of your show? And how do you define that? I'm not having as much downloads like you were saying. I wish I would have more considering I have like over 200 episodes at this yeah. point. I definitely wish I had more traffic on there. But I think that has to do with the fact that I wasn't repurposing. People did not have the entry points to my show. Mm -hmm. The only people who have saw my show were either my regular followers of YouTube who just moved over to it, the podcast, or they were people who are from the show and they shared the link on their socials. So that's how I've grown so far, which is a very slow way of doing it. Yeah. It's one of the main ways, but it's not one of the best ways. So I'm really excited now that I have 250 podcast clips just from 30 podcast episodes, mm. right? I haven't even done all my interviews yet. I still have yeah. another 60 or 70 interviews to go through. No shortage of content. <laughs> no shortage of content. But I'm excited to do it because as soon as those get out, oh, yeah. I will say when it comes to shorts, TikToks and Reels, you can pretty much syndicate to all three and be fine without really any penalty. As long as it's good content, yeah. you can send it to all three. That's the key thing. Make sure it's good content. Are there, are there scheduling tools to allow the... I know we were using Facebook Creator Studio to post the IG reels, but is there a, a workflow that you found that's helpful for you to get those specifically vertical videos on those three mm -hmm. locations? So I would say that doing the Facebook way is very tedious and... Same with TikTok too. You can do it on TikTok's website. You can just schedule it from there, which is really nice. But I find that New Link, which is why I'm excited about it, is one of those tools. Okay. And Publer, Publer.io. P-U-B-L-R? L-E-R. Okay. And we'll have all these links in the show notes. Don't <laughs> you have so many links. <laughs> this is probably one of those link-heavy posts. Yeah. Just um, find what works best for you is the yeah. biggest thing. Yeah. You have to try things out, but... And so you think that New Link or Publer could be the solution for getting the vertical videos scheduled? I've been comparing most of the social media tools recently, just personally, because I have been so frustrated. Opus is also doing their scheduling. I would also throw in Repurpose.io as well. Yeah. I think all of them have had scheduling features. I want to make sure I highlight Repurpose because I think that they're trying to work on the vertical as well pretty hard. Yeah. And it's frustrating because... There's still a TikTok API issue where you can't schedule it directly. You can only schedule to the app. You yeah. have to go, you have to open the app and then press, hey, I accept mm. this. Then you have to rewrite the description. So even if you wrote it in the tool, it oh. won't transfer over. But that's not the tool fault. It's TikTok's API because it happened across three different tools that I've used. Huh. That's interesting. We'll be digging into some of that. Yeah. And I think probably change here soon too. There's also a cost for all these things, right? Because you start, oh. they all add up and I have to, 
set aside some time to go through my credit card statement to see <laughs> what are these. I, some Because sometimes you sign up for the automatically monthly stuff and you're like, oh, wait, I'm yeah. being charged for a tool I don't use anymore. And and obviously there's no, everyone's looking for the one tool that does everything. But I think, <laughs> I think what the takeaway for the listener here is to try which one of these could best fit your workflow depending on, on what you need. Because you may not need every, everything. I think <laughs> Dustin and I are the extreme example of just trying to like break these tools and, and then have them do a, the robots do as much of the work as possible, but you know, that's well, feasible. And I will say the most polymathic tools would be repurpose.io and new link. Yeah. Those two, I think in particular are very hands and mini cookie jars. But repurpose, does Honey, is he using a lot of automation or is he having like a manual intervention for some of this piece? Cause I think that's what it's I Most of it's automated. Automated, automated. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to... You can do things manually. You can. So one thing I remember was a really good feature that he always mentioned to me was that you could make it, manual you don't have to make it auto so if you have a certain automation that you want to do where you're like hey take the timestamps from my video turn them into clips onto like tiktok or whatever you don't have to automatically let it post you can go in there and say i want to post this one this one and this one so if you want to do it manually you could and then that speaks to having someone with a editorial eye Mm -hmm. who can decide because at the end of the day if you're the creator like i'm the one like oh this would be good this would be good but you know, it's hard. I think of it from an agency perspective, like to do this across multiple accounts for multiple shows, you'd have to have like some sort of good command the English language and understanding mm-hmm. what content works, if it reads correctly, if it's polished, if it doesn't look like it came from an automation software. Lots of moving parts for that. So we'll put a pin in that for the listeners. <laughs> we don't want to overwhelm them. I'm curious yeah. about this. I think you said monthly process you do called, is it day one or like your result? So- There's an author named Derek Severs who created this idea of the now page, right? And there's, like, I think hundreds of people who are doing this. So it's not just me. I took it a step further, though. I made it into a series. So basically, the now page is just a page on your website where you change every month, updating what's new in your personal life and your professional life. And I thought that concept was amazing. It's a great purpose for a vlog, mind you. And so I just, what I realized is a few months in, I was like, you know what? I want to look back on what I said a couple months ago. What did I say? Well, I had to go back in my WordPress history, page history, to find out what text was on that page because I didn't save it. I saved it as a page rather than a post. So I turned it into this blog post series. And then a couple episodes later after that, I decided I'm going to make it to a vlog. So I make a monthly blog and vlog, no podcast, ironically, but just those two, just updating people on my life. And it's a nice way of just, if people care, they can look, or maybe 10 years from now, I want to know what I did 10 years ago, or maybe my grandkids, something like that. Documenting. What do, you, what do you put in there? A lot of things. I get a little bit more personal on there since it's literally about like what's new in my life per se. For example, when I quit what, a job. What's, or what's I, the link to your most recent one? Yeah, it's, so while Dustin looks for that, I think what's interesting is this idea of tracking your progress. And I've been, most people would probably think about doing this in a journal format. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this actually from my weekly newsletter. I've been, I'm 33 weeks straight now with my newsletter. And I think it's been great for me I've switched over using Beehive now, and I've switched huh. to this idea of just sharing what's been happening in my world. Like I mentioned, I talked about this men's gathering that I went to. I talked about like a conversation I had with my therapist about ADHD. I've talked about mm-hmm. like with challenges in, in my relationship. I've talked about the podcast, but what's been more freeing for me is to know that I try to prepare it during the week, but inevitably I'm like Friday morning, like writing down <laughs> but. It's just like, I guess what's alive for me. I like using that phrase now, like what's alive for mm-hmm. me. And I think it probably is related to some of the stuff you write about, but just, you know, I've got the link now and I'll put it in the show notes, but 
how do you think about what to put in there? And do you make notes along the way so that as you get ready for it, you don't miss anything? That would be really smart. <laughs> <laughs> I generally kind of just go with the flow. It's a very stream of consciousness kind of thing. I'm a writer first and foremost. I might okay. make videos and a lot of podcasts. I yeah. love all three formats. I'm one of those people who loves all three. Mm-hmm. I don't just do one, but I start with writing just because I'm what I'm more natural at. Yeah. And so I write the blog post and I use that as kind of like bullet points for the video. And I might expand upon those points in the video too. So they're not word for word. I have a section where okay, the first section is kind of just like what has happened, what's the past. And the next section is what's happening now and what's coming up. And that's okay. kind of where it's like past, present, future, if you will. How long are the videos? I think the shortest was eight or nine minutes. The longest one was like 25 minutes, something like that. Okay. Have you gotten any feedback on them? No. Yeah. I think it's just interesting, this idea of, it's almost like getting it out of your head and just yeah. like having it for the world, for posterity, so whatever you want to call posterity's sake, or just, you know, this record. I don't know if you think about this and maybe because you use a lot of tools, I'm always wondering what's going to happen to all this shit I've collected digitally when I die. <laughs> mm. Well, that leads perfectly into our next topic. I also got to send you a link of one of my favorite people. He is Pradeep Sangha. He wrote The Complete Man, which is a great book about okay. manliness and hood and this being man. proper modern man. So when it comes to our next topic, though, and I would think this kind of goes back to one thing you originally mentioned, like Notion and all these productivity tools. Yeah. I moved to Obsidian, which is a note-taking tool that some people move from Notion to or Rome Research because it connects all your different notes together. And while I moved to it partially because of content creation, it's also because it's local. Notion's in the cloud. I've had plenty of times where AWS shut down. And so I lost my access to my Notion. So I lost access to all my content stuff. And I was frustrated Mm. by that. By having everything local, not only am I able to combine my information architecture, which is, okay, all my databases on Notion and all my files, like the audio files, the video files, all that stuff is organized in folders on the computer. But my two biggest information areas are separated. Obsidian Mm. allowed me to combine them into one file structure, which was amazing. Made it way more efficient that way. But on top of that, it's all local, so I can back it up to a backup drive. And Mm. then, you know, maybe my kids or grandkids will be like, hey, I want to go through Dustin's old notebooks and see what he was thinking. And all my content's there. Here's where it gets really interesting. AI, right? There was this tool called AutoGPT. It's a spinoff where you can actually have a localized version of GPT on your computer. And so that way you can interact with your own files that way. Yeah. And it turns out Obsidian has around a dozen or so ChatGPT plugins that interact with your files. So you can almost create this model trained on your data, whether it's yeah. your content or your notes or whatever. And you can interact with this AI based on your own information. Have you heard of Meme? Meme.ai? M-E-M? I think so. Meme.ai. So it's, yeah. that's kind of like something that I've been, I've had probably along this. It's also in the challenges is cloud-based, but Meme.ai has started from the ground up with this idea of using all the information. Srinivas Rao is really big fan of this tool. He's actually on the show a long time ago, years ago. But I think the idea is you can say it helps you to write content in your own voice as mm-hmm. long as you keep updating meme and you put all your content in meme and you say, hey, can you help me write the first intro for my book? in my own voice. And because it has so much of your content in there, I've been dropping all of my blog posts in there. Mm -hmm. I've got to make sure I've got to add like the most recent ones, but it starts to learn how you speak and how you write. And so I don't know if Obsidian is doing the same with these plugins, but I thought this was really interesting. I'm trying to like stay focused on having, doing, 
the more content, it's one of those systems that the more you put in it, the smarter it gets. Yeah, about exactly. You. So that, that was interesting. No, it's, I love your thought process there. So thank you for bringing it up. I think it's only for Mac, isn't it though too? It's browser-based. So browser -based, I mean, okay. I, yeah, it's browser-based and then I do, yeah, I am on a Mac, so do have the download there. I am also going to mention a few here. I don't want to overwhelm people with different tools, but the first two are browser-based, which is Reflect and Capacity. The next one is actually really what's, interesting. What's, you want to drop the links in there? I did. Okay. And then anytype.io is a more local-based one, but it's kind of combining Notion and Obsidian together. All these three kind of take what Mem, Notion, and Obsidian are doing, but take it to another level, okay. which is kind of interesting because even, and I'm saying that knowing that I'm still staying with Obsidian right now, like I'm still putting all my chips into that basket, but I'm yeah. trying these three too because they're fascinating. They all have AI features and like notes, graphs, and stuff like that. Here's the cool thing. I've been downloading articles too. So it's not just my content. It's the stuff that I'm interested in and wanting to keep track of. But there's been articles over the years where I was like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling less motivated. I'm going to go read that article that I've read every year for the last four years and let's see yeah. it. I went to the website and the site was changed. And it turns out the author deleted that blog post. And now I no longer have access to that blog post. Oh. For, even the web archive didn't have a copy of it. And I was so frustrated by that. I had no way of saving it. There's supposed to be like a Notion web clipper and it's supposed to save the articles when you clip them. Yeah. It did that like 35, 40% of the time. It never okay. worked. Obsidian has a read it later plugin. I just add the link, press my hotkey, boom, save the article to my thing. And once they're all tagged, the AI can interact with it. You can interact yeah. with it. You can start making content based off of these articles or videos yeah. that you saved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts to synergize a lot more. And that's the power of these tools. I think it's the takeaway for the listener if they haven't checked out already, because this is probably <laughs> one of the most overwhelming, Sorry. <laughs> dense. It's okay. And I knew this was going to happen. And I love <laughs> this. And I think we're going to make this a regular feature. You just can keep coming back on like Please. once a year. Yeah. And we're just like, okay, what's happening now? And like, how have you integrated? Because I love talking to you because your viewpoint on all these things will have changed in a year, right? Mm -hmm. Because you'll have tested them, you'll have seen what works, what doesn't, and you'll have incorporated whatever is happening and whatever has been made available. And so you're synthesizing all these things together. And I think that's part of what you do as a polymath and how your brain works, mm -hmm. which is what I love. So I can definitely foresee that we're just going to make this like the regular feature, the mind blown episode where you just kind of yeah, get overwhelmed. Put that in the title, <laughs> mind blown episode. So... We'll give the listener enough to chew on. You may mm -hmm. require a second listen. We'll have all the links in the show notes. But I say this in the world of spirituality, there's this concept of take what resonates and discard the rest. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, a little bit can be so esoteric and metaphysical. People are like too woo woo. And they're like, ah, this is too much. But there's always that like one nugget of like something someone said or something that's like, oh, that the rest of it is like kind of crazy for me. But this one mm -hmm. line is like, wow, I really resonate with that sentence. So I think along those lines, like, if anything we've talked about today resonates, you know, focus on that one thing and just work on that one thing. Don't feel overwhelmed to try everything we've yeah. provided here because it gets overwhelming. And I'm wondering if you've found yourself giving that same type of guidance to people who are trying to learn from you or trying to emulate what it is that you do. It comes back down to swimming too, for example, mm -hmm. where I might give them a lot of information, but as long as they make that 1% progress, it's all I care about. I had a yeah. swim lesson that wasn't listening or doing anything for 45 minutes. And she was young, sure, but she just wasn't clicking. Nothing was resonating with her. Yeah. Eventually, that parent was like, hey, do you want to go for another 15 minutes, make it an hour, or do you want to stop? And I was like, let's do another 15 minutes. I got a good feeling about this. And like three minutes later, something clicked. Mm -hmm. And in that hour-long lesson, she managed to make that 1% or 2% progress. And I was completely mm -hmm. satisfied as a coach. 
Yeah. That happened with Gary Vee. He's had all these different videos and keynotes he talked about. He's always overwhelming to a lot of people. People don't always like what he says because he just seems very out there. One thing he said is like, you need to be creating a hundred pieces of content a day. And like, <laughs> that's overwhelming to a lot of people. But for me, it's stuck. And instead of being overwhelmed by it, I flipped the script and I was like, how do I do that? Especially as a solo person, right? And that's how it led me down this path. So find that golden nugget that sticks with you. That's a great takeaway and a great way to wrap up. So I want to keep asking the same questions I ask every guest, because I know with you, the answer is always going to be different. <laughs> Number one, what's something you've changed your mind about recently? I was going to say too, I think last year I was a little bit disgruntled with a lot of the repurposing tools because I had a lot of points where I was using these amazing tools and they broke on me or they wouldn't mm. work with my long form content. Like they wouldn't go past an hour and all my episodes are an hour and a half, whatever. And I think my opinion has changed now where I needed to be more empathetic. A lot of these tools were very early on alpha, like kind of beta stages. And I was like, okay, like they're working really hard. And I talked to the team members and I was like, these guys are really cool. They're really dedicated. So I think my opinions changed on that, where it's like, you got to be empathetic to look. tool creators. You got to be also just open-minded too, because things are going to change, like you said, every year. Yeah. And about your podcast specifically, you know, how, when you think about who you want to speak to, who you're excited to speak to, what lights you up and what keeps you motivated to keep doing your show? It's the conversations themselves, man. Like it's, I love doing the research. As you can tell from this episode, I have a lot of tools in mind. I do that same approach when I interview a guest. I go through everything they have just to see mm -hmm. what I can find. I went through one guy's Instagram for like, I just kept scrolling to see where anything popped up my eye. I saw a picture with him and Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft. Yeah. And in that post, he said, I finally got to meet my hero. And that's the only place in any of his online presence that he mentioned anything about his hero. And I asked him a question about it. Like, how was it meeting your hero? And that struck a chord with him. And mm -hmm. I could see it in his eyes. He even said something about it at the end of the episode too. Like, you did your research more than like I've been on many shows. Like, you know, so that that kind of feeling is like, hey, def, they felt accepted, they felt award. And my main motivation, right, is that a lot of people I talk to don't even realize they're polymathic. They don't even know that word. And by coming on the show, it gives them a little bit more clarity on how their lifestyle actually is. All I'm doing is identifying it and just saying it out loud. Yeah. Very cool. Well, so many, no shortage of places to send people to following this conversation. <laughs> but if people want are discovering you for the first yeah. time, you know, it's a bit overwhelming, I would imagine. So where do you usually send folks when they want to engage with you or just to learn what Dustin's all about? Like, where do you send folks for the first time? Well, I'm Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator. That is my name. I care more about the Poly Innovator name than anything. So you can find me anywhere with that username, 1L. And what I usually send people is just my website, polyinnovator.space, yeah. because usually you've come to me either for a video or audio or, you know, written content. <laughs> and so one of those three will strike a chord with you, and that's where it'll all be. Okay, so we'll make sure we have those links in the show notes. Thanks again for coming on. Sorry, I have Mika. a feeling this is going to be a fun conversation, wide-ranging, <laughs> but I'm always, I can see that you're, it's almost like I can see your brain at work, you know, and Twitter and what's the lie for you and... Mm -hmm. You're always following your curiosity. And I think the energy that comes along with that is really infectious. And so I just wanted to listen to get a taste of that as well. <laughs> so thanks again to Dustin for coming on the show and sharing a full hour of his time. It's not a decision I take lightly. And I really appreciate him for that. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. There were so many resources here. And as a reminder, if you're hearing <laughs> children screaming in the background, that's what happens when you have visitors over. And I decided to go ahead and record in the location that I'm at so you can get the vibe of what it's been like here. It's been a lot of fun. 
lots of smiles and laughs. But obviously, for recording purposes, sometimes it's a little bit challenging. But the show must go on, as they say. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his fantastic collection at cedarsoil.com. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. I've recorded a free video there called The Five Pillars of a Successful Podcast that Every Business Owner Needs to Know Prior to Launching. If you've had questions about what's required to start a successful podcast, I highly recommend you check out and watch that free video. It's at fullcast.co. Tune in next week for my conversation with return guest Tina Dietz. Tina's energy is so fun. She's such a open-hearted and great person, and I'm so excited to catch up with her, and I know you'll feel the energy and the vibes from that conversation, so please check that out. It'll be next episode. And if you've made it this far, you're no doubt waiting for this week's attention hashtag. Kudos to you for making it this far. It's Polly Dustin, P-O-L-Y Dustin, and tag us at Podcast underscore Junkies on Twitter and Podcast Junkies on Instagram and Threads. And tag Dustin on both channels at Poly Innovator, whatever suits your social browsing needs. It's been a crazy week, but uh, I'm grateful every day for everything that I do related to my business and these shows. And I'm grateful to you for continuing to support the show. Talk to you next episode.